Grace and peace to you, Bloom. Welcome back to our Guided Liturgy podcast. Our hope and prayer for you in this time is that you would encounter the peace and the presence of Christ. We'll be engaging together in a liturgy of prayer, confession, and a meditation on Scripture. It's good to be back together again. It's good to have you with us. Bloom, let's join together with the church worldwide and say the prayer of the day together. Father in heaven, who at the baptism of Jesus in the river Jordan proclaimed him your beloved son and anointed him with the Holy Spirit, grant that all who are baptized into his name may keep the covenant they have made and boldly confess him as Lord and Savior, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, in glory everlasting. Amen. By the mercies of God, let us confess our sin and present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, which is our spiritual worship. Lord Jesus, illuminate the darkness in our hearts. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord Jesus, open our eyes to your saving love. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord Jesus, unstop our ears to hear your living word. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Tears fall from our eyes. The ground in turn is watered. Creation springs from the earth. So new life can come out of our sorrow. Though grief holds on to our hearts, its grip is beginning to loosen with hope. We look to the Lord, to where our help comes from. When we've said all there is to say, our words feel shallow and empty. You give us a reason to sing, and turn our morning to dancing. Of living water flow from your heart into ours, so fill us to overflowing until we thirst no more. In you, our souls find rest, you hold and hymn us in.
like thunder Sometimes it's more like a whisper We wait in anticipation And look for what you're resurrecting We watch and listen and wonder To the ways in which you are working We pray with hearts wide open To hear your voice, oh God And in you our souls find rest You hold them us in the longings of our Here a reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 1. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Hear a reading from Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, you gods. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is upon the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is a powerful voice. The voice of the Lord is a voice of splendor. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedar trees. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Mount Hermon like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord splits the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the oak trees writhe and strips the forests bare. And in the temple of the Lord, all are crying, glory. 
The Lord sits enthroned above the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. The Lord shall give strength to his people. The Lord shall give his people the blessing of peace. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, Son, and to to the the Holy Spirit, Spirit, as as it was in the beginning, is now, and and will be forever. forever. Amen. Amen. Hear a reading from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 1. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved, with you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Well, we're in the season of Epiphany, which is the season that follows Christmas. And it's a really bright and inviting season because it calls us to go back to those stories of the life of Jesus and to see the way that he loved people and he interacted with people that he healed and he set people free and he included people into the life that he brought on this earth as the light of the world. And we get to go back to those places and rediscover Christ in light of the incarnation, in light of knowing that this man Jesus was not simply a prophet, not simply an inspired person, but Christ made flesh walking among people, dwelling with us, showing us what God is like. Someone at Bloom once said that Epiphany is the season that Bloom continually finds herself living in. And I agree with that because the energy that drives us in this season is one of discovery, of openness, of renewal, of allowing the Spirit of God to shape how we see the world and how we perceive ourselves how we see God, and how we participate in the life of Christ that flows from us and around us always. It's interesting because the church brings us back to John the Baptist here. He's standing in the wilderness. He's inviting people to partake in a new life, and he's speaking of the light that will come into the darkness. He stands under the rule of what we may call today as an oppressive regime. He calls people into this open, spacious place in which he speaks not of things that they can see with their eyes and experience in this tangible world, but he speaks of something to come. He speaks of the eternal, of the light that comes into our 
darkness. It's the story of epiphany. It's the story of openness, of, of that deep longing to be taken up into something that's so much bigger than ourselves. The story of redemption and renewal, of beauty, of love, of grace, coming to where we live and drawing us into that rhythm. On the last Sunday of Christmas, just as we're about to exit that season, the readings that the church gave us, and we didn't do an episode on this, but the readings drew us back to that night, that Christmas Eve, while we were singing Silent Night and Joy to the World and had our candles lit, and it was this beautiful time of the culmination of our hope and our longing. Not only that we have practiced in solidarity with the people of God, but also this year that we have so tangibly felt that longing for things to be made new, that hope that Christ would be with us in our darkness. We're standing in Christmas Eve as a gathered community saying the light has come in the darkness. Hope has met its end in Christ. And this passage that the church gave us right as we were exiting the season of Christmas was the recounting of Herod, who was the king, who was in control at the time, who had that place of power and privilege that Mary in her Magnificat, in a prophetic vision of what Christ was to be. He was that one. He was one of those ones who occupied that place of power that would be torn down by Christ. And he didn't welcome the light. He didn't long for a new system, for a new government of love, of peace. Instead, he clung on to what he had. And in fear, he killed every infant boy. He couldn't give up what he had. He couldn't see himself being taken down from a place of power. And so he hid in the dark. It's just a reminder that the light comes into every dark place. That's what Christ does. But the light is not always met by hope. It's not always met by expectation, by openness. In the hearts of some, it's resisted, both then and now. And so we see these two men. We see John the Baptist who stands in the middle of our darkness and proclaims that the light is coming, invites people into that place of expectation, of hope, of openness. And then we see Herod, who at the very point that Christ is incarnate in the child, Jesus, he resists the light. He pulls away into the dark. And all that happens in the dark is made manifest in his actions. It results in murder and fear and pain. So here we are, 2021. Bloom, we stand as people who are given the great invitation to be those who welcome the light into our lives, who work to see the light be made manifest in every dark place. We also stand as people who are prone, just like Herod, to hide those places of us that don't want to be exposed, to hold on to our authority, our power, whatever sense of that we think we may have, and to pull away into darkness and isolation. And we find ourselves, too, in the midst of a world where the light is hoped for by so many, and for others, the darkness is clung to. For some, it's a place where ideologies of fear are grown and allowed to fester, where anger and isolation win the day. And so now more than ever, may we be the light in the darkness, as Christ said that we were. 
that we would be a city on a hill for all to see. A light has come and is coming still in the incarnated Christ present in the church. You, you have this like beautiful picture of Christmas Eve and then like under the darkness, there's this whole plot to kill people, you know, that's built, that's built on fear. And we live in a place that I think that still happens. It like, literally happened this week. <laughs> yeah, it did literally happen. That there's always the plot, like the plot of the enemy is always at work. I think that's what's been so hard for me in, this, in the wake of last Wednesday to be like, why would you do this? Like, what is going on in you that you would do this? And it's because people expose themselves to things that are hidden in darkness. And I think where you see like these ideologies of hate and fear, they're always hidden. Like the Ku Klux Klan like had its meetings like in secret and you, were, and you didn't know who was a member. Like it was hidden. And it's, it's all this tendency to hide. And then when people come to get, I see so many, like the world comes together and like, yes, let's believe for this. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, why? It's easier to love people who are, are powerful and look like they're in control than it is mm-hmm. to hope for something that might mm-hmm. be good and light. Because John the Baptist, like none, none of it had happened yet. So... It's still a hope. <laughs> yeah. And yet you have somebody who has all the power and can, to the point where he can massacre. But I also think I can see the attraction when hope feels low of the person who has a lot of power to think that might be the thing that saves. Yeah, I think you have enfleshed in these two men two extremely different approaches to the light. And John, you see one who's welcoming the light in the midst of hopelessness, in the mm-hmm. midst of maybe not hopelessness, but hope that is, that is draining from people. Mm-hmm. Because he's in touch with the divine, he's able to speak that hope and call people into that. I mean, Herod's response to the light couldn't be more different because the light to him is threatening. Because mm-hmm. for him, it's, oh, if there's a great leveling if there's a great equalizing of people and what's going to become of me. So it's all about fear. Mm-hmm. It's just struck me that every movement in our country of racism, injustice, hate, it's born in the dark. It's born in secret. It exists there. Mm-hmm. It festers there and it finds its way out mm-hmm. into the light. I mean, it, there's a, a biblical precedent for this in just, the book of John, it talks about how our judgment is based on how we react to the light. It's mm-hmm. that God's light came into the world, but men love the darkness because the darkness does not expose their sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's why it's easier to be in the dark, because there's no judgment there. Mm-hmm. As soon as you come into the light, that's where everything is exposed and so I, I think people find comfort in the dark, but obviously it's better in the light. Like, obviously, it's better. I mean, I, I think there are things that are kept in the dark 
out of evil, but like I'll confess that when I hear these passages and and talking about the light and the hope and the anticipation and my heart can very much get caught up into that and I it's not hard for me to begin getting excited and anticipating and all what God might be doing where that might lead what could come of that but I'll confess that on the heels of that pretty closely is a fear of being disappointed and I think that there are times that that keeps me in the dark. I mean, that fear, I, fear is not of the Lord. And, and so I'm just naming that, that I think there are fears that aren't maybe rooted in things that we would necessarily call evil. But for me, there can be a fear that comes out of the understanding that God doesn't always work the way we think. And, and mm-hmm. as we watch scripture play out after John the baptism, we see over and over and over how Jesus turns things on its head and everybody is trying to wrap their heads around the, these expectations that they had and what's coming instead. So for me, I think it's a continual challenge to continue to grow in learning what it means to hope with expectancy but holding loosely to expectations. Yeah. That just kind of reminds me, it's kind of not a middle ground. I think it's kind of the same thing at a different level because I Mm -hmm. think Jesus is never satisfied with us having darkness in us, Mm -hmm. so he'll bring that to the Mm -hmm. surface. And we'll have the option of dealing with it, and it might go back down for a while or we might deal with it. But I think whether it's... You know, our country dealing with the hiddenness of how this country was founded, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. that's bubbling back up. Mm -hmm. And we can look at it as, uh, I'd rather be in darkness, and Mm -hmm. or we can say, it's time to lament and repent. Mm -hmm. And it's not any different than, I want to hope, but there's this peace in me that's scared. Mm -hmm. And like that has to come to the surface, and that has to be dealt with and that's hard work just like dealing with the darkness in our country right now is going to be excruciatingly hard work and then you think gosh it's just easier to be in the dark yeah it's easier to be angry or mad or think that I'm somehow wronged in this scenario as a middle-class white person no I'm not being wronged in this scenario or Um, it feels safer yeah I think that's it. it it's safer to choose I hate to say it. it, it's not a conscious decision to choose the dark, but it, it's safer to choose the thing that doesn't expose what's actually inside yeah. of me, right. right? which in this scenario is the light. So I don't think it's a middle ground. I think it's just another example of mm-hmm. that Jesus is not satisfied with this stuff living in us. Mm-hmm. That's good. I think for me, there's a work of untangling, I guess for lack of a better word, the evangelical construct of light and dark. When I think about that picture, that prophetic picture of, of Jesus in Revelation. The sword is coming from his mouth, and he's Jesus, the liberator and the healer and the great equalizer of all people. And when I think of that as the light, that doesn't mean like being in the light 
is easy or that everything's okay. I mean, you were just talking about the story of John the Baptist. But it is to say that when we suffer, we suffer in the light. And we cling on to each other and, and we hope together in the light. And we, we submit to Christ in the light. It is to say that it is an end to choosing the dark. I think that we live in a time where we're seeing collectively as a nation how many times we have chosen. I agree with you, Dulcie, that we've chosen the darkness. It doesn't mean that there isn't light present in our right. history, but there right. are so many times when collectively as a group or, or groups of people choose and exist in the dark. But that prayer from Ephesians that we read in Christmas, that we would be flooded with light. Like I've just been grappling with that. Like what does that look like to be flooded with light, that there is no darkness, that the light is here? I mean, you hear so much, even in the Genesis verse, about the light has come into the darkness. and It doesn't mean ease, and it doesn't mean really sinless. It's more about like where we live. Like where do we live out our lives? all the ups and downs and the doubts and the fret. Like, is it in the light or is it in the dark? Well, I wonder if it's recognizing the things that keep us in the dark, like mm-hmm. things like fear and shame and mm-hmm. these things that are obviously not of God. Mm-hmm. At the very least, opening our eyes wide enough to see those things, I think could be a way to get us out of it and to start seeing the light for what it is and not the scary thing Yeah, that exposes things and burns, but it's something that's where people are it's where community is it's where shared life is it's where healing is it's where healing yeah. is yeah, I mean, that, exactly. yeah i mean i think that's what i'm struck by is that like the work of being having light flooded in is like the most excruciatingly beautiful work mm-hmm. you could do good words yeah and it's where freedom is yeah mm-hmm. and and so i think it is seth those questions i think are really good when, I, when I'm not walking in freedom, I'm not walking in the light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all these things you read, and I kind of, I mean, I have to confess, I kind of like write them off because they feel legalistic. Like, like where the spirit is, there is no fear. Mm-hmm. There's freedom. And, and like Paul like lists, you know, these are the traits of someone who lives in the dark versus someone who lives in the light. Like in the dark, there's shame and there's fear and there's like divisiveness and but it, it's really, I don't know, something about this year and this whole season that, we've, season that we've gone through together has made those things guideposts to me. Mm-hmm. When I sit with, with clients, I mean, there's this point that something that was in the dark that they're holding, either belief about themselves, mm-hmm. what someone planted into them, like a fear, mm-hmm. a prejudice of other people, you know, a fear of losing power over others, when that's brought out, into the space of light. It's still there, but it, it's, it's like, then it can be healed. Mm-hmm. The spirit is active in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So my practice, we don't claim the label Christian. So people are from all sorts of beliefs and, and backgrounds and histories. But you, when something is brought into the light, you feel the energy of the spirit. Just think about Herod. And I know this is like really simplifying the story. But if Herod had come out to his his counselor or his priest or whatever, you know, and said, I'm having a problem with letting go of the power that I have that at times is manifest in oppression. Christ is coming incarnate. It's happening. 
if, like, what if he had brought that into the light? Mm-hmm. I know it's kind of silly to think about, but it's also like powerful to think about. Mm-hmm. I think we're so used to Bible stories where people have done radical, insane things to say, I'm going to bring this into the light that we forget how insane those things, those moments were, yeah. or how terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, just my own experience is that I am terrified I mean, it's like this thing in me that thinks that maybe Jesus hasn't seen these things yet. So I'm even afraid to bring that up. And and that moment before you say it, um, even if it's not to Jesus, um, you know, if I were to confess my deepest sin to you, Taryn, you know, like right before I said it, which, there's that terror. Sin? Wait, what? Which sin? What, yeah, do I'm you guys sure. want to hear it? Do you guys want to hear it? <laughs> <laughs> but just right before that terror, like, am I okay? Mm-hmm. And that's Herod too, right? It's, he's, he's coming to grips with that. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. okay. I might lose power. And his response yeah. was like, I mean, death and destruction. Mm-hmm. But to kind of what you, you were saying, Seth, about light brings community. It brings a place where I can say, this is who I am and this is my past. And to have someone who can sit across from me and go, okay. Yeah. Okay, here we are, and not r- run from the room screaming, which mm-hmm. is what I'm convinced everyone will do, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, or convinced even that Jesus will do. So, yeah, because there is no condemnation mm-hmm. in Christ, the light. I mean, to be a part of a community like that, think of how the world would be different, or our country would be different, our church would be different if we believed that if we mm-hmm. were flooded with the light and that when when people confessed and when people were honest that there was no condemnation there would probably be less hiding yeah it's interesting that metaphor that picture that Jesus gives his disciples trying to say there will be a day when I will not be here with you but you will by the spirit mm-hmm be the incarnation of Christ and you will be the light of the world. And he says, you're a city on a hill and he talks about drawing people. But I think so many times in the U S evangelical church, it's twisted. It's like, it's a spotlight Yeah, exactly. to go pry yeah. and to go judge about things that we have no business judging. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that piece where it's like, all we do is pick at other people yeah. and we never say what's ours. We never say, I struggle with this. Um, I, how many Christian leaders have fallen after saying, you know, the marriage bed is sacred and judging mm-hmm. people for sleeping outside of marriage and then they're sleeping with multiple people outside oh, of yeah. their marriage bed. Or, I mean, we can go into the homosexuality thing and how Christians feel about that. And narcissism. Yeah. And I, and I, I just go, it's... Your question, like, what hap- what would happen to the U.S. white church if we started letting the light in? We might actually be an attractive thing to people again. For but sure. we are, quite honestly, we are hiding. We're hiding who we are on the inside. That's, like, deep and dark, and I'm sorry. That it's obviously a generalization, but um, that's just, like, where I'm at right now. I'm very mm-hmm. unattracted to the Christian religion in the U.S. right now. I think you and so many people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so easy for the church to be 
wrapped up in all this political mess Mm -hmm. that's happening. I hate that for the church. Me too. And for the world. I feel like the church could be a really beautiful healing thing for people, but it's being seen as something that is associated with things that are of, of the darkness, really. Yeah. It's tough to be in a place where the church is healthy and it's beautiful and it like could actually be a place of healing and peace for people, but it's just associated with so much darkness right now. Yeah. It sucks. It it is dark, but it's, it's reality. Mm -hmm. And that's what conviction and repentance are for Mm -hmm. that we would be convicted and that we would repent and change because that's where life is. We, Dulce, you and I were in the back, and the service was just so good and rich last night. And, and I walked over to Dulce, and I said, uh, I don't know if I want to sing fast songs in church right now. <laughs> Sometimes we get accused of being, like, dreary at bloom. And it's not that. It's um, the, the work of confession and repentance and, like, really standing with a group of people saying, this is for real. Like we want to be flooded with light. We want to be the city on the hill. Like there's something in us, like in a deep, deep level that wants that because it's what we're made for. Those songs that draw us into that, like that to me is the most joyful and life-giving space that I can be in because it's so needed. So I think it is like on one hand, yeah, it's dark, but it's also like a beautiful, wide invitation for us to be the most true expression of who we are, the light and the darkness. I mean, we talk about, I mean, the whatever that was on our Capitol, the march, it was a big temper tantrum. It was really sad. But every racist symbol from the flags to the, to the noose, those are things that are born in darkness. Those ideologies, that fear, that anger, that like, inability to let others be equal. That was what was on display. And the thing that is really heartbreaking about it is that people, millions of people in our country are lured by the darkness mm-hmm. because of fear yeah. and hatred that's allowed to just persist. And it does make me wonder what would it have been like if the church was flooded with light? Yeah. Would we have allowed such darkness to take root and to exist? Hmm. And what would have happened if the church didn't side with the ideologies and the fears and the symbols that come from Mm -hmm. darkness? Mm -hmm. I can see myself getting ahead of the process and being Mm -hmm. like, then we all just, let's be, let's bloom. Mm -hmm. Let's be a church that just decides to do this, Mm -hmm. you know, together. Let's just be part of the light, you know? And, um, and it's a deep work and it is like Dulcie said, it's a painful work. It's, it's a work that I don't think our spirits are naturally drawn to because it requires vulnerability and Mm -hmm. honesty and risk taking and pain and, and time. It's not a quick thing. Mm -hmm. We, we aren't, we want fast results and positive results right away. But the process, if we would be willing to engage in it and patient enough to engage in it, 
I think would blow our minds Mm -hmm. and would go far beyond just this idea of like, Mm -hmm. oh, we're being light. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There would be healing. There would be freedom. There would be um, community. There would be reconciliation and joy and peace and hope. Mm -hmm. And then as a result, it would be a warm light that people are drawn Mm -hmm. to. I wonder if our focus should be much like it was in Advent of Mm -hmm. like, I mean, you even said all of the the words that were the themes of Advent and, and what you just said. And like our, our, it seemed like our focus back then, this was even just a few weeks ago, wasn't that long ago, was just to walk towards the light, yeah. right? I think it's, that's still the call now in Epiphany, Yeah, is to walk For towards sure. the light. Yeah, I think that's right. Because uh, you're right, we can't just jump to like, the light is here, let's just open ourselves up to it because like what does that even mean Mm -hmm. how do we even do that Mm -hmm. so i think it's true it's just like that the call is to walk towards the light the call is to be is to be as close to the light as possible and hopefully we'll be a reflection of that light Mm -hmm. because of that because of if anything our proximity to that light you know yeah when we step into that prayer the it's prayed over the church in Ephesus that we would be flooded with light. We can't forget it's a supernatural mm-hmm. act. Mm-hmm. It's something that we can't do. We can long and we can ask and we can hope. And right. that that you know, and that's like that's what creates that openness that we talk about around here. Mm-hmm. It's that saying, you can go into every part of my soul and renew and re-envision and, and inspire and cleanse and purify like I'm yours. Mm-hmm. And then it's we're right back into that that call and revelation that Christ is our first love. That's right. It's it's more than power, more than fear, more than shame. And that really is it's it's not a slam on the church and it's not, there's nothing in us that wants to speak ill of the church, I think, in our leadership, we, we love the church. We want to see the church be holy, belonging to Christ, led by Christ, filled by Christ. So maybe for the prayers tonight, we, um, we just give space. We will hear, and you can, uh, as you're listening with us, and let's just give space to, as best we can, open the whole of ourselves to Christ the light, to invite the Spirit of God to fill us and flood us, to inspire us, to make us new, that we would be the light to this world, that we would go into every dark place. So our prayer simply is, as always, is come Holy Spirit, fill us and flood us as a community, as a people, make us one. Mm